Happy Thursday, my darling pop culture junkies. This is Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays, and I'm your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop Culture Hi guys. I don't even know what week we're in. I think this is episode 59. We're heading into the 60s. Just me today. I'm coming to you from the beautiful Hamptons in New York and I have not been here in a minute. I used to come here every summer. I would bring my dog. I'd rent this little, I'd stay with friends a lot, but then I rented this teeny tiny little cottage that I just absolutely loved. And I would pack up my car and my, I basically rented it for my dog, which I then moved to LA for my dog. So we've traded one for the other. Now I'm with friends and on my way, making my way to London, but it's, uh, it's beautiful right now. I have to say, I love the Hamptons. I don't love all of the Hamptons. There's like, the traffic, the crazy oversized homes, the ridiculous white parties, all of that I couldn't care less about. But my friends have this like true farmhouse. It's like very wood floors and creaky steps and air conditioning window units, like old classic, old school OG farmhouse in the Hamptons. And that, my friends, is there's nothing better. So I am looking forward to some sunshine and some good cocktails and some good food. And then I am heading to London where I will pod after my first Wimbledon experience. I am not in Wimbledon, David. I know that's shocking to you. I am not. I didn't make the cut this year. But no, I am going as a first time, long time fan, first time attendee. So I will report back assuming I get to London in one piece. Um, That sounds really dire. I just mean because I have a very injured ankle. (laughs) So it's going to take me a little bit longer. I'm not as mobile as I'd like to be. But you're not here to hear about my travels and troubles. Let's talk a little pop culture. This week, I, I mean, it's been, I can't believe we're recording this again. It's a time machine. I mean, obviously I'm not a live show, but we're really just uh, Wednesday, but it feels like Friday. I don't quite know. It's been, it's been a whirlwind. So this is a one week marker this, as I'm recording it, that we've had threads and that's what the newsletter was about this week too. But if you've been living under a rock, which if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure none of you are. Um, but threads is the newest, latest, greatest, uh, product offering from meta. And it is, uh, meta's answer to Twitter and over 120 million now people in a week, making it the fastest growing app. Now, not really totally fair. It's not apples to apples, like launching a new app. You have the built-in unbelievable network that is Instagram. And so a lot of people, I did not do this. If you download the Threads app, if you haven't done it, listen to me, you don't need to follow all of your Instagram friends. I don't think that's the right strategy, but a lot of people are doing it. And that's probably your, your, you just think back to how you could have curated your original Instagram or LinkedIn. I have no fucking idea how to unfollow people on LinkedIn. Unfollow, yes, but unconnect, disconnect from somebody on LinkedIn. It is beyond my pay grade. I have tried. I just, LinkedIn is a cesspool to me. I can't figure it out. But so you get the option when you download threads and you put in your username for Instagram and your password. And then it says, download, like follow all of your Instagram friends. And 
I think most people do that because it's easy or it just, you know, it, you have to unclick it, I think, but no, no guys, don't do that. That, and, and most of you have, I'm talking to 118 million people already have, all of you are listening to my podcast, but I curated. So sorry if I'm not following you on threads, it wasn't intentional. I just like skipped around and knew people that I like to follow on Twitter or people that I know that have really interesting voices that weren't on Twitter that I thought might have interesting voices on, on threads and threads right now feels for those of you old enough to remember the beginning days of Facebook when we had status updates, cause, and it would be like, Brooke is, and I'm like sitting in the sun, drinking a margarita, wondering what her friends are doing, or Brooke is feeling really tired, long night. Brooke, I mean, how fucking annoying. We were all literally the most annoying people back then. I think about, I can remember truly remember some of my status updates. Brooke is really excited to be in Vancouver. Who's here? I mean, it is appalling to me the things that we did and said and shared. Like I, and did it not just once, by the way, a status update was like a tweet. It was the equivalent, but like really bad. So maybe Twitter took off because like Facebook walked so Twitter could run. So for, for, Elon, AKA Space Karen, to refer to Zuck as a copycat. Like ultimately Twitter was a takeoff of that status update and just sort of like these little short messages to people and and into a public forum, a sort of a, you know, the town hall as they say. But again, back to the OG Facebook status updates, like we should all be embarrassed and we can be, we can collectively be embarrassed, but we should not be repeating ourselves. And yet I find that threads is very similar to OG Facebook status updates. Lots of people telling us what they've eaten, lots of people cross posting. So I see the same thing they put on Twitter, on Instagram um, stories or something. And then on, on threads, it shouldn't work that way. Though I have, I must say, I haven't been on Twitter. I go to Twitter to like check to see what people have said about me because I'll get alerts. And generally it's a spam. It's not me. Or I put the newsletter out, but I haven't really been on Twitter because why? But Threads still is a long way to go. It's got the network. It's got the people. And that's the hardest part, definitely. We have to evolve. We cannot go back to the OG days of status updates, guys. So let's not be telling us what every single thing you're thinking or doing or whatnot. Let's let's just sort of apply what we've learned from Twitter and put it into Threads. Now, admittedly, Threads needs to deliver to us a little bit of a better product because right now it's just chaos. Like you are mainly being fed updates from people you don't follow. So it's brands, it's celebrities, it's sort of the way things are going up in the chain. You don't have a way yet to sort of navigate your feed to have it only be the people you want to see and the people you want to follow. Um, but I think they'll get there. I don't think that's, you know, a loss on them. They have made one mistake early in the launch, early, early days of threads, AKA seven days ago. And that was they they offended media. Um, they said something about it not being a place for media or whatnot or not prioritizing media. And I honestly can't remember exactly because I was so enraged and I was like, oh, this is going to go badly. And it did. It did. As somebody who works with media, I find it very funny now in 2023 where you have these entrepreneurs and tech founders or leaders or executives who become really resentful towards the media they think that it's the media's job to write everything that they want them to write like my company's amazing and this company is going to innovate and so that's not the job of a journalist and it's not 
the executive or entrepreneur's fault, however, and I'm the one to say this. So listen up, little ones. It's it's my fault. It's the fault of all of us who did probably the journalists and the communications people. And it was all of our faults back in the dot-com days, the web 1.0 world, when it was just, it was like the wild, wild west. It was like what Hollywood was like in the beginning of Hollywood is all I can imagine. When everybody was together, it was all new. It was so exciting. And all of the, it's what was the sort of swan song for us, or is that the swan song? The I don't know. No, siren song, siren song. The sirens were calling us. It's what what really brought us out to San Francisco in the 1990s was that like, you know, people are breaking the rules and you can color outside of the lines in Silicon Valley or San Francisco in the startup world. And, you know, it's we're all together and it's fun. And yes, you're working 24 seven, but there's pizza and there's ping pong and there's foosball. And we and the, and the media were guilty of it, too. So every article was like, this is the most incredible. This company delivers pet food. This company gives you cheaper TVs. This company lets you draw. Like it was just, you know, and we had so many amazing publications dedicated to the innovation from Red Herring to Industry Standard to Business 2.0. I mean, it was just, it was basically a journalist's job to figure out like how to balance all the stories. And so I think people were trained with the idea of this optimism. Everything was, this is so promising. This is so great. And then the world crashed. We had 9-11 and then we had the dot-com crash. And then the world started coming back and everybody said tech was dead. Tech was dead. Tech was not dead, in fact. And yet we went back to making our same mistakes, which we do. We're humans. Hello, Facebook status updates and, and threads. We keep making the same mistakes. So then the second iteration, Web 2.0 happened. And then we got, you know, really, really drunk on that Kool-Aid, if you will. And the media did the same thing. And it was a buzzy, buzzy time. And then the financial crisis hit. But tech was like, oh, well, you know, too big to fail. We're tech. We're good. We got this. And then you had Facebook and all these things come out. And, you know, obviously the iPhone and just so much innovation and and product reviews is journalism, but is not not what people are all writing. So I think entrepreneurs would see these stories about like a real, like Walt Mossberg would, would really look at a product and a service and say whether or not it was worthwhile for us to purchase or to use. And now I feel like everyone's looking at journalism to be like that. Like it's, it's sort of like, this is amazing. I want you to take, not that Walt wrote always positive pieces, but when he did, you had to be prepared. I would have to prepare my clients, whether it was Sonos or Eero or smart things, you have to prepare them for like, you have to have enough product. Your website cannot crash because millions and millions and millions of people are going to buy this product if Walt Mossberg likes it. And if Walt Mossberg didn't like it for like, I didn't work with those companies, just FYI. I, I had the instincts of, of those companies always were liked by Walt. But um, if he didn't like it, you know, that's it. Funding was gone. But media have taken a much more, you know, we've they've had a lot of uh, things bite them in the ass. I mean, uh, the obvious ones are Theranos and all of the press there, but the others ones are an, uh, Adam Newman and so much of the hype cycle. And then they come crashing, burning. And so media are now sort of, I think, guided to be more cynical. And that's, and that's unfortunate, but not 
it's not something I wouldn't understand. You know, I think it makes sense. But in today's Elon Space Karen moment, he is sort of putting out to his followers and his sort of, you know, army of Elons that if the journalist doesn't write something about you that you like or doesn't seem to be in agreement with you on everything, then they are bad and you should be doxing them and they are terrible and they should be, you know, blown up. And then what he did with Twitter was deprioritize journalism and real truth. And then the verification thing gets all blown up. And now that's just, it's just chaos. So my long way of saying Threads had this real opportunity to be this place for where we find news again and we get real journalism and we have a real understanding. Not that it's just for journalism by any means, but that was such a good part of it. So for them to insult the media that way or to discount it was a mistake that they've backtracked on considerably, but um, it's theirs to lose. They know it's theirs to lose. It's really, really fascinating to see how many people did go on it. They did a really great job. You can imagine they had all of the people at at Meta and all like, you know, dialing up all of the agents and managers, celebrities and getting all the brands because I don't know what Twitter is going to do because the the brands that have come over, which is what Twitter's new CEO, theoretically, I put CEO in quotes, Linda Yaccarino, doesn't really seem like she's the CEO. She's supposed to be the brand person and the brands are like, we're going where the people are. Like there's no loyalty. It doesn't matter. I mean, here we are. Mark Zuckerberg has not changed who Mark Zuckerberg was. Like I personally like Mark. I don't, I've never worked for him. I've only met him in passing here and there, but I understand the society's viewpoint of how bad Mark has been and Mark has done, or Mark's company has done some questionable things and dangerous things for sure. And he was public enemy number one for a very long time. And Elon was a little crazy, but he's literally Iron Man. I mean, he's our fucking Iron Man. He's the guy that like, I understand aspiring to like, he's this, he's our own sort of Willy Wonka, if you will. Then all with Elon's doing, aka Space Karen, I just like saying Space Karen so much. It seems so perfect. I see him with that hair, you know, like the, the Kate plus eight mom hair. Space Karen, like the degradation of his reputation in the amount of time we've seen it is is just staggering to me. And Mark has just been like lapping it up. He hasn't changed at all. He's the same guy. He's the same guy. But um, Mark announced threads with a bang with his first tweet in, I believe it was like since 2012. And he just tweeted the meme, Spider-Man meme of like the Spider-Mans looking at each other and pointing at each other as if it was in a mirror. And that is, that is Zuck's cage match, which by the way, if you've seen any of the pictures out this week, Mark is a um, highly trained, I believe jujitsu, but really like highly trained fighter and great shape. If they did do a fight, it, there's just no, there's no way that Space Karen would have a chance. But his cage match was not literal. His cage match was threads and started using analogies around like, you know, the first 30 million or something as round one and so forth and so on. I mean, I never say never. I, if these guys end up in a, in a cage match, I certainly hope all the billions of dollars raised goes to charity. I'm, I'm for that entirely, but otherwise, you know, please no please know. But there we are. So you have threads. It's, it's something I keep, you know, I have no loyalty to a brand. I have loyalty to very few things. I have loyalty to my dearest friends. 
I have loyal, I don't even, I love my dog, but like, I mean, I get another dog in a heartbeat at a heartbeat. I love him. He's tattooed on my body, but I could have multiple potatoes. I am loyal to some members of my family. I am loyal to my clients and that's it. I'm not loyal to a fucking brand. Like if a brand disappoints me, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. So Twitter, like I understand I loved the opportunity for Twitter. Lots of other companies have started. I'm, I'm really rooting for Blue Sky or whatnot, but it's about the network. And the hardest thing in the world is to build, like, do I have to really build up my following again? Do I have to start over again? It's the last thing any of us want to do. If you have, you know, I had 40,000 followers on Twitter. I don't want to go to a place where I have four. So that was really interesting about threads. I don't have 40,000 followers, but you did get an instant, you know, growth base, well, based on your Instagram followers. But then what I noticed, which is so cool, and I didn't think about it until I saw it, is that threads is helping Instagram with its discoverability problem. Because in Instagram, and there's a lot of TikToks on this, but on Instagram, you know, you follow who you follow. You don't generally add a whole bunch of new people to follow. You follow your friends, your family, your colleagues, or, you know, a a band you like or a celebrity or something, but you might buy things on Instagram, but you're not following new accounts all the time and you're not gaining a lot of new followers like it it happened early days. And so now with threads, that seems to be because I got a ton of new followers on Instagram and I talked to others who had a ton of new followers on Instagram. It's helping with that discoverability problem of of Instagram. I'm not quite sure how that works. I haven't because I I haven't followed any new people on Instagram, but it's happening. So we'll leave it at that. I'm really excited to see what happens. Um, obviously, Space Karen and and his cronies have threatened a lawsuit. It was a really silly letter. Like the letter made no sense, and also like accusing accusing Meta of hiring all the people who had like like confidential information and it's like state secrets. Like like the Justice Department was going to get involved. Um, and even if that were true, I my understanding is that these people didn't their contracts weren't honored. So I don't believe anything that they had would be proprietary if they weren't paid severance. And Elon has not paid the severance of many many many, many laid off fired employees when he took over. So I believe that's like null and void. Like if you don't honor the contract, then there's no confidentiality agreement, right? Pretty sure that's how it works. But um, I'm not a lawyer. It sounds like there are lots of lawyers involved. And Elon is also suing the law firm, which is sort of cheeky, but God bless, that's what they do. Suing the law firm that was representing Twitter to get Elon to follow through on his commitment to purchase the deal. And I guess Twitter probably, who knows, but it seems to me like it was sort of like a, haha, let's get him. They made the agreement with the lawyers that it would be an hourly rate. And so technically speaking that if they then followed through on the deal, then Elon would owe that legal fee because he now owned Twitter. And that legal fee turned out to be $90 million. And uh, they have to pay that because now he owns he owns Twitter. So think about that. Twitter in its previous CEO and leadership hired a law firm to make sure Elon followed through on his deal and say, hey, you, you made this offer. Now you got to do it. Elon tried to get out of it, had his own lawyers. And then the law firm successfully got it to where Elon had to buy Twitter But now Elon owes the money to the lawyers that Twitter, before Elon owned, had hired. You know, 
you can't make this shit up. It's so, so good. $90 million. It's like, have fun. So there's a lot of, of crazy stuff. You had the CEO, again, in air quotes, sorry, Linda Yaccarino tweet out something like it was so out, out of context and like Twitter had its best numbers yet since February, like random, like February. It's like three months ago or whatever, but also like show us like, where is it? And you didn't file that with the SEC. If you're, I, I believe if you're like having growth numbers, you're supposed to file that. Anyway, it's also complicated. I want to talk about fun pop culture stuff, but this is what it is. This is where we're at. So if you guys are on threads, and you're not following me. I, I have no idea how just I'm at Brooke. I don't know how that works. But and by the way, if you're curious about what that number is, if you've downloaded threads, you're on it, you might not be using it, you're lurking, or you just sort of are like, that's not for me. But now you have a number on your Instagram profile. It might be a million, it might be 5,753,000, it might be 102 million. That is your signup number. That is the, the number for which you got when you signed into thread. So the lower the number, the earlier the adopter. See how that is? Though I would have loved, I hope that whoever got 100 million, like the 100 millionth signup got like, you know, a prize, like Bob Barker comes down and is like, you win a car and a bunch of balloons. That's what freaking meta should be doing. That's what I'm urging you to do. Like old school contest style. That's what I want. But so if you're, if you're there, hit me up, find me. I'm uh, navigating it just like all of you are and learning and I'm having fun. I mean, I like the concept of a Twitter, of a public square. I'll tell you when Twitter really pissed me off. And that's when I was done is last week, of course, on the day that Space Karen, so I think that was like last weekend or it was a, a little over a week ago when Space Karen had decided to announce that the the tweet limits, right, 600, I think he moved it up to 800, unless you were paying, then you'd get 8,000, um, meaning that if you, if you looked at that many tweets, then it would cut you off. And frankly, most people aren't looking at that many tweets. If you're searching a topic, for example, and thousands of people tweeted about it, that would count in your system. So to get to the top, you theoretically have to go through, scroll like through hundreds and hundreds of tweets. And, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, he's really, he's taking a stance. The only stance he was taking was that he was trying to force people to buy premium, right? If you bought the blue check, then you got 8,000. There was no problem. But then he's like, I want you to get out. You had him and Jack like touch the grass, like go fuck yourselves. It's nothing about anything. They don't want you touching grass. They want you so glued to your fucking phone that you can't cope without Twitter in your life. But we had an earthquake in Los Angeles. And if you're not aware of earthquake Twitter, it's unbelievable. I'd been turned on to earthquake Twitter when I was still living in New York. Um, because when my friends would have an earthquake, they would then text and say like, are you up? We had an earthquake in LA da, da, da. and I was always up at weird hours. So I would then look at earthquake Twitter and it's like a real thing and you, and it's funny, but it's also informative and it's helpful and it provides a lot of, um, you know, for me now that I lived in LA, when I first, it, it provides a lot of comfort, you know, you know, that everybody's in it together, you know, that people are, are shaken just like you are. Um, there's the humor, there's the information, there's the comfort. It's a really lovely thing. And people talk about earthquake Twitter a lot. And of course, earthquake Twitter, I got my limit cut off because I, there's so many coming at one time. So I was scrolling up and I hit my limit within the first five minutes. And I was like, what the fuck? And you can't get information. And then the earthquake 
alert systems and all of the people who do, they said they couldn't reach people, couldn't see all of their information. So they're looking for new ways to communicate their information. And then you have threads. Like it was literally, you couldn't have made a better setup. Threads launched three days later. And you're like, oh, here we are. We have that now. Okay. So I'm happy about that. And we do have a few other things. I don't know if you've, if you've heard there's this movie Barbie coming out. Have you guys heard about it? Have you seen any marketing for it at all? Like at all? I wish they'd, they'd market it more. I am joking. Again, if you're listening to this podcast, I am sure you're not living under a rock. I've never seen more marketing for a movie. I've never seen more of a movie than Barbie that hasn't come out yet. I haven't seen more outfits for people going to their premieres. The Their London one is currently happening right now. TikTok, Instagram, everything. But then like TV, I had the news on and all of a sudden like, what's her name from Progressive? Right? What isn't it? Flow? Is it Flow? Is it Progressive? I don't even know. They're doing, they're like, it's my Barbie dream house. I'm like the cross promotion. I think there's like Tampax Barbie. I mean, there's so much Barbie. It's it's too much. Like I'm sort of sick of pink at this point. Obviously I'm going to see this movie and I know the iconic connection to Barbie. And I was having this conversation last night. It's so interesting that we're in this world now where movies used to inspire toys. So a movie would then launch a million billion toy brands, right? And now we're basically living in a world where toys are inspiring movies. Toys are, we're creating movies from toys and it's a whole, it's like the new world order. But the real weird juxtaposition here is that then you have two huge movies launching on the same day, which we haven't had in a while. Two huge movies. The other one is not Barbie. It's Oppenheimer, which could not be more opposite than Barbie, literally could not be more opposite than Barbie. And if you have missed what Oppenheimer is, it's like a sweeping look at one of the main people behind the creation of the nuclear bomb and um, World War II and an unbelievable cast with, it's Killian Murphy, right? Not silly. And it's Killian Murphy. I should know this because I'm obviously addicted to Irish people. Matt Damon, Florence Pugh, like this movie looks incredible. Barbie looks like a spectacle spectacular. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. It's going to be, you know, it's iconic. The outfits that Margot Robbie have been wearing unbelievable. Like her dress that she wore to the LA premiere, spectacular. I'm here for the fashion. I'm here for the fun. I'm sick of pink, to be honest with you. I don't know if the movie is going to deliver everything I want, but I'm hoping because it's, you know, Greta Gerwig, she's clever. She gets it. She's in on the joke. But then Oppenheimer, oh my God. I mean, never have I wanted to see a movie that's going to be so awful and evil and dark and tragic. But what's come out of it is that we have a new daddy on the internet. So as you all know, and we'll get to, there's some Timothy Chalamet stuff too, but I'm a Timothy Stan. Then I'm a Pedro Pascal Stan. And I'm just following, again, I'm a basic bitch. I am following the trends here. And now TikTok I mean, they've always known Killian Murphy. He's been in, you know, quite a number of things from we've all seen over the years, Peaky Blinders, things like that. But this is a big, big role. Apparently he just inhibits this character. He's so interesting looking to me. Like I, Britt, who's been on the show, she's like, his head's so big for his little body. I don't care. I could look at him all day. He does something that makes me feel funny inside. I gotta say, I also am in, you know, I do have a soft spot for the Irish as my Irish friends know. So when he speaks, but oh my God, there's something. And TikTok has 
TikTok has figured it out as well. And I am now, I mean, obviously I, I have a specific type of TikTok because of what I look at, as all of you will, but I do have different accounts. So I, I check out ways to just see how TikTok is being fed and Killian Murphy is just there. He's trending. People are making love, you know, scenarios around Killian Murphy. So he's, he's the it guy. And I think we might have a little ick of Timothy Chalamet, but um, actually it's going to be great. But I didn't realize that when Timothy Chalamet was going to be in this Willy Wonka movie, that it was a, the sort of origin story of Willy Wonka. I missed that whole thing. So we've been given our first freaking trailer, which for this movie that doesn't come out until Christmas, but you know, Willy Wonka is a brunette. I always think of him as sort of, you know, obviously Gene Wilder, but maybe Gene Wilder was gray, not blonde. I, it's all so strange. He was retiring, so he's meant to be old. My first clue was that Timothy Chalamet is quite young, but the trailer is unbelievable, quite epic. Though a little cringe, we have a Hugh Grant as the, I think from what I'm gathering from what little is out there is maybe like the OG Oompa Loompa, which is sort of funny, but uh, we'll put the link in the in the show notes. So it's it's quite a sensation. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm very much looking forward to that. The suspense is terrible. He, he's going to go this time. I hope it'll last. I don't remember if I said, oh, I didn't do a podcast last week. So I saw the Indiana Jones movie and that was incredible. It was fun. It was silly. So it's it's like lots of movies, lots of content, lots of lots of stuff happening. So I tell you to go and do all of it. Go and see all of the movies. Obviously, Willy Wonka is not for a while, but I will say I am going to maybe do a double feature. Like imagine going to see, and I don't know how you would start that. I guess you would see Oppenheimer and then have like a palate cleanser of Barbie, but maybe that would just be too difficult and blow your mind. So you'd go to Barbie and need something then to like deal with the dumb. I don't know. Somebody tell me what to do, but I'm really into like a double feature situation. Like when was the last time I did that? I did that once with like a bunch of Marvel movies and my friend Deborah. and we just went and watched like maybe three. It was like, it was a situation, but you needed to see like a series of movies before you saw this particular movie. I highly recommend it. Um, and then something else that I'll probably have to get more into in the newsletter. It's tricky here, but it's all over the socials and people are all talking about it. Um, what's more interesting is that Zayn Malik, who is one of the One Direction kids who has had quite a illustrious past. I can't really say much. I, I have personal reasons for that. He came out after six years of not doing any press. I mean, he's had a kid with Gigi Hadid. There's been fights. Listen, I, I, I can only say my experience is Zayn. He's the nicest kid. I mean, he's just a really nice boy. He's raised by his mom and his aunties, and he has a love for animals and lots of pets. And um, I haven't listened to the interview. I've just seen the the sort of trailer. But it's interesting that Call Her Daddy is his first place. And I think that's slightly problematic. This woman, Alex, I mean, I get it. She's killing it. She's getting these great interviews. But um, I also don't think he should have done Oprah. I don't know. I mean, what do I know? I guess for this generation, it makes sense. And she's really, this girl is really, really killing it. I just, I'm not sure how in depth these conversations are. Are they more, are they, maybe they are. I'm, I, who's to say, but everyone's talking about it. It's like this, like people are shook, absolutely shook that this was Zane's sort of moment and he chose this moment. So we'll have to see what that looks like. Um, but again, my personal experience, I just think he's a very sweet kid and 
fame is a really tricky thing and can really fucking do you in. And if you're just like a person who likes to be with his family and likes to have a cup of tea and hang out with your animals and have a tight knit group of friends and go to the pub, having a spotlight on you and having people camped out in front of your house and not being able to live in public is just, it's like a mental illness. It's got to be fucking prison. It's terrible. It's terrible, 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 terrible. This new world of, of celebrity, you know, some people seek it out in that influencer, but a lot of people who just want to, you can see Killian Murphy when he's signing these autographs or whatever. This is not, he just wants to act, man. He, the whole celebrity side of it for many of these people is not what they want, not what they sign up for. And just imagine Imagine how daunting it is. I I can't. It's so not interesting to me. But that's it, guys. I'm going to do my merry mute make out all of that stuff, but, um, I'm, I'm got to get back to the sun. I have a tequila cocktail waiting for me. I'm not going to lie. Sorry, David, but I got to crank this one out. My makeout is Killian Murphy all day long. Literally. I'm like, I'm sorry. He has a beautiful wife. This is not real. This is just in my fantasy. I love him. I am now, I am fully on Killian Murphy, TikTok, fully, fully, fully on Killian Murphy, TikTok. Mary is tricky. Who would I marry? You know, actually, I'll go back to, I know this is ageist of me, but in Indiana Jones, they did it. Like, you know how the aging uh, software doesn't always work? Like, I just feel like some of them, it doesn't work. But in this one, they make Indy that we know. They don't change his voice, which is interesting. I think there's some technology that they could figure out because 80-year-old Harrison Ford voice is very different than 40-year-old Harrison Ford voice. But I would marry Indiana Jones, 40-year-old Indy that the early indie. I like that. And I like this indie, but I'm just saying it would be fun to sort of grow into a marriage and, and have all of those adventures within, with Indiana Jones. So I would say that not Harrison Ford talking Indiana Jones guys, and I'm going to mute Twitter. How about that? Not just space Karen, but I'm muting Twitter and, um, I urge everyone else to, So that's it, my darling lovelies. If I've forgotten something, I know you'll hit me up. I'm still hearing, I'm still hearing about the Padam Padam mispronunciation. So just FYI, if you guys listened to my podcast ages ago, I said it incorrectly and it's horrifying. I still have nightmares. It is not Padam Padam. Like I sound like it's, I mean, honestly, I should never be allowed to podcast again. It is Padam Padam. I apologize to all of those I've offended and continue to offend because we've kept it in because I, I, I lean into my mistakes. But otherwise, have a beautiful week. I'll see you next week from London. Bye. Pop culture.